Hello, Bible Threads listeners. Dr. Bruce Becker here. This episode is going to be different from what you're used to, but I can assure you it will still offer great biblical insight to help you grow in your faith. Earlier this year, I was interviewed by Janet Parshall. Janet is the host of the national radio talk show, In the Market, on the Moody Radio Network. Janet challenges listeners to take a hard look at major news stories and issues being debated in the marketplace of ideas while using the Bible as the framework for discussion. You can learn more about Janet and Moody Radio by visiting the link in the episode notes. Janet interviewed me about my book, Give Satan the Credit He Is Due. We had an interesting time talking about how Christians today can overcome Satan and the spiritual warfare he engages in. I'd love for you to hear it too. Thank you, Janet, who has graciously allowed us to share our discussion right here on Bible Threads. Here's our conversation. Here are some of the news headlines we're watching. By the time the conference was over, the president won a pledge. So Americans worshiping government over God. An extremely next... rare safety move by a major... 17 years the Palestinians and Israelis negotiated. Welcome to In the Market with Janet Parshall. Get your dialing fingers ready. We're going to have a fabulous and fascinating conversation about the devil. Yep, the devil. You heard me say it. Satan, as he might be known. He's got a bunch of other names. We'll dig into that as well. But you're going to need this. 877-548-3675-877-548-3675. By the way, you do believe in the reality of Satan, don't you? Talk among yourselves. Use a lifeline. Call a friend. I hope so. Because if you don't, I don't think you're listening to this broadcast by accident. If you do, you need to understand who the adversary is. We're not going to give him more credit than he deserves. We're simply going to understand his wicked, wily ways. But I am a little concerned because I'm talking to people from Guam to the Cayman Islands and a whole lot of other places all around the globe that if you believe Barna's research, and I certainly do, uh, they gave us a wake-up call. You know, they did a survey, asked about beliefs, the sort of cornerstone parts of the orthodoxy, if you will, of what we believe and hopefully why we believe it. So here's what they said. Four out of 10 Christians, that's 40%, four out of 10, that's almost half, four out of 10 strongly agree that Satan, quote, is not a living being, but is a symbol of evil. (laughs) Really? So if my battle is against the world, the flesh and the devil, I'm battling a symbol? Oh, if only it were that simple. An additional two out of 10 Christians, that's 19%, said that they agree somewhat with that perspective. So if you put that together, that's almost six out of 10 that strongly agree Satan is not a living being, but is a symbol of evil and somewhat agree. Yeah, another 20 percent. A minority of Christians indicated that they believe that Satan is real by disagreeing with the statement. One quarter, 26 percent disagreed strongly and about one tenth, nine percent disagreed somewhat The remaining 8% weren't sure what they believed about the existence of Satan. How can you be not sure if you're immersed in the Word of God? Oh, my, my. Those are daunting statistics. So it's one of the reasons why I'm thrilled we're going to be having this conversation. 
And we're going to have it with someone who's written a wonderful little booklet that will help you better understand. First lesson, always the definitive source is the Word of God. But the book that Dr. Bruce Becker has written is excellent. It's called Give Satan the Credit He Is Due. Think about that. Give Satan the credit he is due. Let me tell you who Dr. Becker is. He currently is the executive vice president of Time of Grace Ministry. He hosts the podcast Bible Threads with Dr. Bruce Becker. He's a church consultant. He's an advisor. He's a speaker. He's an author. And he is our guest this hour. 877-548-3675. Bruce, thank you so much for the gift of your time. I can't give it back, but I tell you what, I have a feeling this conversation is going to be priceless, particularly when we're looking at those very disconcerting numbers. So I got to start with the why question. Typical firstborn kid, I ask why first all the time. Why in the world, if you believe the word of God to be an errant, transcendent, inspired, immutable, applying to all people in all times and all places, why would you think that Satan wasn't real? How in the world do you come up with the idea that that's just a symbol? You can't. And thanks mm-hmm. very much for having me. I appreciate being here. Oh, you're so, so welcome. All right. So you can't. It's pretty clear. You make the point very early on that Satan didn't start out as evil. Tell me what his originations were. And this also, and I'm going to throw a couple of questions at you, Bruce, if I can. How did he begin? What happened to him? And does this raise that that question that uh, a lot of people like to ask, particularly when they're seeking theologically, spiritually, does that mean that God ultimately created evil if Satan started out good? So let's start with his origination. Who was he? Who is he? Uh, Satan was one of the created uh, good angels. Uh, we don't know exactly when they were created, but uh, they were they were created early on because they observed a God creating the rest of the, the universe. There's a couple places that give us an indication that uh, Satan, uh, on his own, he started out pure and holy, but on his own, uh, he had a dark side. And he created the evil within himself. And from what um, uh, what we find in, in like um, Jude chapter 6, uh, is that the angels who didn't keep their position of authority uh, but they abandoned uh, how God had intended them to be. Uh, those became the evil angels. Satan and, and other followers came, uh, came along with him, uh, but they abandoned it. That's what Jude t- tells us, Jude verse 6, I believe. Mm, wow. You know, in your book, you point out a verse from Second Peter, which I think is absolutely fascinating. It says, God did not spare angels when they sinned. So do angels have free will? When God created them, it uh, certainly appears that they had free free will, just as uh, Adam and Eve had free will to eat or not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So Satan exercised that will and disobeyed God. He sinned. Uh, he rebelled, as did the other angels. Wow. That's absolutely fascinating when you think about it. So uh, let me just slay this dragon for the skeptic, the cynic, the seeker who's listening in and get a little closer to the radio. I love that you're here. So does this mean that God is a God who can't be trusted or that he's a bad God? Because if he made the angels and there was going to be a rebellion, if he's all knowing, and he certainly is, if he knew that there was going to be a rebellion and he must have, does that mean that God de facto created evil? There are some questions that are just impossible to answer. Um, God is good. God is perfect. God is holy. And our puny minds struggle with trying to figure this out logically. 
just with the line of thinking that you just shared, that if God is perfect, God is love, uh, why did this happen? And uh, that's one question I don't have an answer to, but I'm going to ask uh, when I see him face to face. First of all, I love talking to another person who thinks they have a puny mind, but you have an earned PhD, so that must mean mine is really, really puny. So I <laughs> thank you for that. Number two, aren't you glad, and I'm just going to be transparent with you as a brother in Lord, aren't you glad that we don't have the answers to every single one of these questions? I have an eternity in his presence, and I have just about that many questions. And one of them will be the chronology of this. What did you know? Why did you allow the rebellion? You could have stopped it. How did that work into your big plan? And we're going to get the questions answered by the king himself. In the meantime, you get to get your questions answered by Dr. Bruce Becker, 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. So Time of Grace put out this booklet, and it's really wonderful with a snake on the cover. What else would you have? And it's entitled, Give Satan the Credit He Is Due. The subtitle says why we're having our conversation today. It's time to take Satan seriously. Your thoughts, our continued conversation with Dr. Bruce Becker right after this. Walking in faith isn't about fighting a culture war, but sharing Jesus' restorative grace to those who haven't found it. That's why I've chosen Christians in a Cancel Culture as this month's truth tool. Learn how to stay true to biblical beliefs while sharing Christ's love. Ask for your copy of Christians in a Cancel Culture when you give a gift of any amount to In the Market. Call 877-JANET-58, that's 877-JANET-58, or go online to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. We're visiting with Dr. Bruce Becker, who's a church consultant. He's sought after as a speaker, an advisor, and a published author. He has a doctorate in leadership and ministry management from Trinity International University in Chicago. He lives in Jackson, Wisconsin. Go Packers. See, you can take the girl out of Wisconsin, but you can't take Wisconsin out of the girl. And they have four adult children, by the way. He is currently vice president with Time of Grace Ministries, and he hosts an absolutely fabulous podcast. And Time of Grace put out a series of booklets. This one really caught my attention. It's called Give Satan the Credit He Is Due, and that's what we're talking about. Bruce, I have to tell you, I have a thousand questions. This might be a small booklet, but it really does a great job of hitting the major points on who Satan is. But we immediately struck a chord because we've got a lot of people who have questions for you as well. So if I can, Denny, let me start with you in Illinois. Your question for Dr. Becker, please. Yes, Dr. Becker. Hi, from Chicago. I have a question uh, going through problems in my own personal life and just feeling like, where are you, God? And then afterwards, I think, oh, my gosh, am I being influenced by Satan? What is the deal? Can he take our lives over? Can we lose our faith? That's a good question. First of all, let's start with who Satan is, who the Bible says he is, says that he is the evil one. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, we, we pray and deliver us from the evil one, uh, that Jesus taught us to do that. Um, there's a continuum on which people uh, exist. On one end of the spectrum, uh, there are people who are just living in total fear of Satan, and they think he's lurking around every corner. Uh, he does try to find you as a lion seeks his prey, but it, for some people, they just live in total fear of, of Satan. On the other end 
as Janet was saying at the opening, is, is that people don't even acknowledge that he is real and that he exists. So on the one hand, we have to give respect to who Satan is and that he is powerful, but he's not as powerful as God. And on the other hand, be confident that uh, Jesus is going to protect us from the evil one. You know, in Jesus' high priestly prayer uh, during Holy Week, he mm-hmm. prayed to his heavenly father that he would not take his followers out of this world, but that mm-hmm. he would protect them from the evil one. And mm-hmm. so we can have confidence that we're going to be protected from the evil one. We just need to stay in touch with Jesus. Exactly. Let me linger in John 17, Bruce. I'm so glad you brought that up. He continues by saying, sanctify them with thy word. Thy word is truth. How crucial is the word of God in battling the adversary? It is the only uh, thing that we need to to battle him. And it's the only way we can be successful. You know, you go to uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians and you read the last chapter in Ephesians 6, and, and he tells us exactly how to do battle against Satan and how to be protected from his temptations and his uh, and his attacks. Yeah, uh, and I don't want to be selfish because there are lots of people who have questions for you, but um, if I may, let me piggyback on that. So he has authority over this world right now, the prince of this, of the air, prince of this world. Why does God give him this temporary free reign? The reign that Satan has uh, is is still under uh, the control of God, and it is limited by God. Uh, you think of Job and what uh, uh, Satan asked to, to do to Job, and God put a limit on it. Uh, he went pretty far, but he had no authority to put uh, Job to death. So we can't think of Satan as just being a, a loose cannon, that he right. can do whatever he wants. He still is under the authority and the power of our Almighty God. Yes, yes. Can I linger on the Job story? Because I think one of the more fascinating aspects of that story, and a story that's deep and rich and wide in its truth and application, is the fact that Satan dialogues with, with God. That, that's amazing to me. I mean, that God doesn't snuff him out, doesn't turn him into a pile of ash, that there's this dialogue and there's a challenge offered by Satan, and God uh, pushes back and creates the parameters whereby uh, Satan is let loose in some aspects in Job's life. But the fact that in the throne room of grace, Satan, for the time being, has access is another one of those profound mysteries to me. Now, he's, and maybe this is a good point to put in the fact that sometimes I think we look at this like the Avengers. There's the good guys and there's the bad guys. Mm-hmm. There's no parody here between God and Satan, is there? They're not on the same playing field, all good, all evil. God is God. Satan is not a equal to God. Yeah, correct. And they, the angels and the demons and Satan and God, they they all exist in this invisible realm uh, that the Bible talks about. We see the visible, but there's a whole nother dimension of invisible in which these conversations and these uh, interactions are going on. 
Yeah. Yeah, so true. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. I'm so glad when we read Ephesians 6 that I don't have the kind of eyes that let me see what's going on in the heavenlies. I'll leave that to him. I'll just suit up and put on the armor that we're told to dress in. 877-548-3675 is our number. Dr. Bruce Becker is with us. He's with Time of Grace Ministries, and they've put out a wonderful booklet called Give Satan the Credit He Is Due. Jeremy in Idaho, I welcome you to the conversation. Your question, please. Hi, uh, I was calling because I just wanted to ask, what evidence do you have outside of the Bible that Satan is real? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, the uh, I, I'm in the introduction of my book. I, I put a story about uh, Supreme uh, uh, Court uh, Justice Antonin Scalia, who was doing an interview one day, and uh, in this interview, he confessed, I believe, in the devil. And the Mm -hmm. interviewer asked, you do? Really? Uh, Yeah. And Scalia said he's a real person. And uh, in the Old Testament, in the Bible, we have many evidences of Satan, you know, in demon possession and so on. Um, But when it comes to evidence outside of the Bible, I just look around and I see evil in the world. And Satan is the evil one. And he's either doing it or he's behind it. Mm. Thank you for that answer, Bruce. I appreciate it. 877-548-3675. Any question you have about Satan? He is real, by the way. Uh, And I think this important booklet helps us understand, again, not to give him too much credit, but to understand the powers that he does have and how we can defeat the adversary. Back after this. We're talking about Satan this hour, separating fact from fiction and understanding the reality that he is, number one, and number two, giving him the credit that he's due. It's time to take Satan seriously. That's what Dr. Bruce Becker says. Dr. Becker, by the way, currently serves as the executive vice president for Time of Grace, a well-known church consultant, presenter, advisor, and author as well. And uh, we appreciate the work that he does. He also hosts a podcast for Time of Grace that's well that's so, so well-received and is excellent, by the way. 877-548-3675. Um, I got text from a listener, Bruce, and I'm going to go back to the phones in a minute because there's some excellent calls there as well. But this individual wanted to know if Satan has to, as in the case of Job, get permission from God before he attacks us. We don't know if that is a prescription or simply a description uh, in the case of of Job. Uh, Satan wanted to prove a point that Job was only following God, only being a righteous man because he was so blessed by God. So I'm not sure we can answer that with certainty. uh, If in every case, Satan needs to get God's permission. Okay, so we don't, that I, I you appreciate your answer very very much. I waited. I thought just based on your in you and uh, your intonation that you were going to continue. So forgive me. Let me go back to the phones eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. Omar, I thank you for joining us. In your question, please. Yes. Hello. God bless. I have two questions actually. Uh, one is, uh, do you think that when Satan can't personally attack you, does he attack those around you to? like, I guess, alter your your emotions or your chain of thought? You know, sometimes we, we talk about the three enemies that we face. We face our own sinful human nature that's inside of us. We face Satan, 
but we also face the world and people in the world that Satan uses. So a very simple answer to your question is yes. Uh, Satan uh, can use others uh, to try to influence you to walk away from your Savior. Mm, wow. 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. And let me go to Mark in Ohio. Mark, thank you for being here and your patience. Your question, please. Hi, Janet. Thanks for taking my call. I mm-hmm. wonder about the the persona of Satan. If Satan is the ultimate evil and he is a person, are there other forms of evil that aren't necessarily Satan? It seems like the conversation is going towards uh, everything that happens is from Satan. I don't. What about somebody that's uh, like got a mental illness and they've got a chemical imbalance? Is that from Satan? I'm just concerned that we assign everything that's bad to Satan, and, and we risk making people satanic and and making them black and white, and not. Um, it's either if you're doing something bad, you're from Satan, and if you're good, you're from God, and there's no in-between. I think we need to make a – I'm not a psychologist, a psychiatrist. Uh, We need to make a distinction, though, I believe, between uh, illness, whether it's physical illness or mental illness, and uh, immediately leaping to uh, that Satan is involved in in this. I don't believe we can go that far and say that. In, in some cases, in, in the life of Jesus' ministry, we, we saw demon possession. We don't see demon possession like that uh, any, any longer. But could we? Could Satan uh, be influencing people? Could he be doing that? Um, I think we just have to leave the door open to possi- possibilities and not come down and black and white in every case. Mark, let me pick up on what you said, because I'm, I'm not quite sure that the point has been made here that it's uh, an either or proposition and all that's bad in the world is directly attributable to Satan. And and let me put my argument forward, Bruce, and unpack it if I'm wrong. So the Bible tells me that then by man came death and the wages of sin is death. And in our rebellion, when we walked out of the garden, sin and disease and death came into the world. So while I can't directly point to a finger and say um, that it was Satan. Satan tempted Eve. They disobeyed. He participa- Adam participated in the rest of his world history and the fallen state of mankind. So we have illnesses in the world, including but not limited to mental illness, as a result of this being outside the garden. It's post-Eden. It's pre-glory. So I guess you could say under the great big picture, Satan was instrumental in the rebellion, but I wouldn't, I don't know that I could say cause and effect is directly attributable. It's the sin that I think is the cause for some of what we deal with. Am I right or wrong? I would agree. I would agree with that. I think you've said that better than than I did. It's our whole life and body and everything about us has been corrupted by sin. And there are there are effects. There's consequences that uh, that come from that. We don't have perfect lives, perfect bodies, perfect minds. Uh, we're, we we deal uh, every day. Uh, and, and struggle with uh, with the effects of sin, uh, sin in our lives. Mm. Wow. Again, so important. So let me, I'm coming up to a break. Let me ask the question. And if I run out of time, Bruce, then I'll ask you to finish the answer on the other side. So if I'm looking at Satan, and I've several things already that you've taught us that are extremely important. Started out as an angel, then fell part of the rebellion. 
So he didn't start out as evil. That was part of this rebellion that took place in glory. He is not on par with God. It's not both, uh, and I don't mean to be disrespectful in any shape or form, but Satan is not the head coach of the evil and God is head coach of the good. That, that, That doesn't work. God is God, the great I am, the alpha and the omega. Satan is a fallen angel. So we know that. Number three, we know that we have to be immersed in God's word and he's given us a whole treasure chest full of pieces of equipment to use in fighting the adversary. So one of the things I want to ask you is, what are some of his most effective tools? And then I'm going to go back to the phones. 877-548-3675. If we can understand the tools he uses, that will help us better, better identify his attacks. Back after this. Our team of partial partners is growing, and I love communicating behind the scenes with this special group of friends who are devoted to giving a monthly gift to In the Market. Our partial partners receive private emails direct from me on issues we don't address on radio, and I even send a weekly audio message straight from my heart to yours. Ready to become a partial partner? Call 877-JANET-58, 877-JANET-58, or go to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. We are visiting with Dr. Bruce Becker, currently serving as the Executive Vice President for Time of Grace, by the way. He is a respected and well-known church consultant, a presenter, an advisor, and an author. He hosts his own podcast, and he's the author of the book for Time of Grace called Give Satan the Credit He Is Due. I'm going to give one stat, and then, Bruce, I'm going to go back to the weapons. So if we start representing recognizing, rather, the tools that Satan uses, that will make us perhaps more effective. So going back to Barna, so remember, I just gave those very unsettling statistics that almost 60% of Christians have a question about believing in the reality of the person of Satan. And yet, a majority of Christians think that a person can be under the influence of spiritual forces like demons or evil spirits. Two out of three Christians agree that such influence is real. 39% agree strongly, 20, 25% agree somewhat, while just three out of 10 reject the influence of supernatural forces. These are Christians, by the way. Uh, 18% strongly disagree, 10% disagree somewhat. The remaining 8%, again, undecided on the issue. So we're all over the board, which is exactly why I'm thrilled that Dr. Bruce Becker is with us and why I'm most grateful that he wrote the booklet, Give Satan the Credit He Is Due. So, Bruce, I'm going to go back to the phones, but I want to recognize, what are the tools? Does he have a lot? Does he have a few? Is he repetitive with the same tools in his toolbox? How do I recognize what tools he's using against me? Well, the number one tool he uses is a reflection of his name. Satan means accuser. Mm. And maybe an example from the New Testament as as to how he does this. I call it a one-two punch. Uh, And he did it to Judas Iscariot. The first one was to get Judas to disobey God, to to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And after he did that, then he came with his left hook and landed right on Judas and said, you disobeyed God. You have no hope. Jesus must be angry with you. Uh, And it's this one, two accusing. It's uh, he leads you into temptation and then he accuses you for, uh, for falling into sin. That's that's mm-hmm. one of his tools in his toolbox that he uses a lot. Wow, the other that's thing, important. The, another one is, is uh, I'm reminded of what Paul says in his second letter to the Corinthians, in that he talks about the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they can't see the light of the gospel. 
So he, whatever he does, he uses things in this world. He uses people. He uses attitudes, scholarship, whatever he uses to blind people's eyes from seeing the light of the gospel. Uh, and so that's that's another tool he tries to use against us. Mm, thank you for that, Bruce. I appreciate it. 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. Let me go back to the phones. Pedro in Florida, thank you for being with us. Your question. Yes, I wanted to um, just uh, get some clarification. As we read in the scriptures and what we know about the spirit world, uh, our God is a God yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. He hasn't changed. The modus operandi for the enemy, as described in the scriptures, is very detail-oriented, um, how he possessed uh, the uh, the man that was uh, possessed from the Gadarene, uh, and so on, and what his behaviors were. Are we to, uh, I don't know if the right word is expect or determine that that continues to be the case in modern times. Do we see that? And if, and if so, if that is the case, how does that materialize? Uh, do we call it something else? Um, and if it's not, uh, why not? I would uh, go back to something Jesus said. Uh, in No, Jesus didn't say it. Uh, Apostle John did in his first letter. Uh, he wrote in First uh, John, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Now, the devil's work was destroyed on Easter Sunday when Jesus came walking out of that grave, having paid for the sins of the world. He defeated Satan, and he rose from the dead, and he's going to give us uh, resurrection as well. So I think we have to keep it in that context that what the Son did for us has totally destroyed the devil's work. Now, we're, we're living in uh, in times uh, until Jesus returns again where Satan is still active, um, and we still face those temptations, uh, but we can never lose sight of the confidence that we can have in knowing that Jesus defeated this, uh, the devil's work. Mm-hmm. Pedro, be encouraged by that response, and I appreciate your question. 877-548-3675. Dr. Bruce Becker is our guest, and we're talking about the booklet he's written called Give Satan the Credit He Is Due, and then he makes this declarative statement as the subtitle. It's time to take Satan seriously. Sue, I appreciate your being with us. We'll take your question now, please. Okay, thank you. I'm just wondering, do you think that Satan can read our thoughts does he have access to what we're thinking um, so that if we're having like negative thoughts or depressive thoughts, he'll hop on that and say, yeah, yeah, do that. I'm just wondering. We have, uh, Satan is not all knowing as God is. Uh, there's no indication in the Bible that he has uh, that kind of knowledge. Uh, he's also not present everywhere. He is a finite being, although he does have his demons that uh, also work for him. Uh, you know, he he is limited in, in what he can do. But when he comes and attempts us, uh, he probably has been watching us for a while. He knows our tendencies. He knows what we don't do according to the, the, the will of God. And he'll use that. But there's no indication in Scripture that uh, he can read our minds. Hmm. 
Wow. That's a comfort, by the way. And again, this goes to the parody question of which there is none between God and Satan. Sue, I thank you so for being a part of this conversation. 877-548-3675. Joshua, thanks for being here. Your question, please. Hey, thanks for having me on. Um, Mm -hmm. So the last comment we just talked about that Satan's work have been defeated. Um, But we haven't really talked about, I don't think we talked about those works too much. Like, the scripture tells us that his works are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. This is what he's done in the garden. This is what he offered to Jesus. But those things are still there. How do we overcome those those things? How do we defeat him in that, you know, those things that's still very much active today, every day? Mm-hmm. What a great question. I think I under, uh, understood the question. Um, I, I go back to the fact that uh, he's just one of the enemies we face. Uh, we face our own um, sinfulness, which leads us down paths not in agreement with uh, the will of God and uh, the and the world around us. Um, so there, it's a it's a trio that's uh, working ag- against us, and we're going to have to deal with that. That's why we need to resist. Uh, Satan and stand firm in the faith, um, just as others others have done. So, if I didn't understand the uh, question correctly, uh, Janet, could you please clarify? Yeah, Joshua did a wonderful job of talking about all of those temptations that are still very much before us, right, Joshua? And you did a beautiful job of recognizing them right yeah, out of scripture. They 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 were there. So, what you're and I want to make sure I understand the question, but I thought you were saying, listen. Those same temptations are still the same exact temptations that obviously he puts before us because he is the attempter as well as the accuser. He wants to bring us into a place of temptation. And if I hear your question correctly, and the reason why I resonated with this was, if he's still using those same tools in the toolbox, how do we defeat them? Am I right? Absolutely. What is, their, what is our safeguard? Because he keeps tripping us up. You know, we're, exactly. not, we're not Jesus. <laughs> you know, we're, yeah. not, we're not. So it, it got us. That's what started it all. And so now he's using the same trick, but we keep falling victim to it. And I know it's about being strong in our, in our faith, but, you know, it still could be just, it's summertime, right? So people are just out doing things. Or it's just, like we talked about earlier, or the show earlier, the LBGTQ thing going on and this pushing this agenda. How do we stand firm in that? It's beyond faith. It's like, how do we actually kind of fight back? What, are, what is the weapon that says, you know, I'm going to overthrow this or I'm going to push this back? This isn't a part of my everyday anymore. So I don't have to just constantly kind of exercise that muscle. I actually have the victory where it's eliminated. Yeah, exactly. So, Bruce, tell us how we can be victorious. Same temptations, same tools in his toolbox. We want to be victorious. How do we do this? First of all, it is recognizing that I am failing every day. And so I come to the Savior of the world, and I repent of my sins. I look to him for forgiveness, and then I ask him for for strength. Um, John, in his, his first epistle, I love First uh, John uh, in what it has to say about the evil one. Uh, he says, Dear children uh, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the mm-hmm. world. It's uh, it, just holding on to that, that the one who lives in us uh, is greater than the one who is out here in the world trying to tempt us. Yeah, exactly right. Boy, and I tell you, Joshua, when those temptations come, that's when I pull out that weaponry that's part of that armor that we read in Ephesians 6 is the Word of God. I, I'm, I know that the demons can quote Scripture, Bruce. 
but it still makes them quake. And I'm still thinking it's an effective tool against Satan. Am I right or wrong? I would I would certainly agree that is the the tool we need to need to you uh, to use uh, in any uh, of Satan's attacks against us. Yeah, exactly right. The sword of truth, boy. Give Satan the credit he is due. It's small. It's to the point. It's crystal clear. It is user friendly. It is the book that Dr. Bruce Becker has authored. He tells us, especially when I started out with those very disconcerting statistics about Christians, we're all over the board on the person of Satan. And that's why Bruce is saying, listen, it's time to take Satan seriously. Not responsible for everything out there, but I'll tell you, he's still out there prowling, seeking whom he may devour. Bruce just gave you a fabulous verse, though, that we need to remember. Greater is he that is in us, you and me, followers of Jesus Christ and dwelling in the person of the Holy Spirit, than he that is in the world. We're already the victors because the battle's been won by him, our Savior. Back after this. Give Satan the credit he is due. That is the new booklet that Dr. Bruce Becker has written. He is with Time of Grace Ministries. Time of Grace published this, by the way. And I've got a link to Time of Grace on my website so you can learn more and listen to Dr. Becker's podcast as well. Sandra, you are in Georgia. I thank you so for joining in on this conversation. I'd love your question now, please. Oh, thank you, Janet. Um, I have a question and I have a scripture to share also. If if the works of the devil were destroyed, you know, then why is he still able to affect people today? And then the scripture is Luke ten nineteen. I just wanted to share where Jesus said, "I have given you authority to trample mm-hmm. on snakes and scorpions and all the power of the enemy." Mm-hmm. So you know, I guess that's for his disciples today, right? Yes, yes, that would be that would be true. That uh, Jesus has given us the ability to resist Satan, uh, to, to to trample on him. Uh, we can't do that on our own. We can only do that when we're co- we're connected to to Christ. Um, but we can resist him and stand firm in the in the in the faith, uh, no matter what the the temptations he brings our way. And the idea of trampling underfoot, is that present tense? Is that future tense? Is that Jesus generally as the victor? Well, Jesus' victory uh, through his, his death and resurrection and ascension and his promise to, to return is 100 complete, 100% complete and, and finished. Uh, but God, for whatever reason, has chosen not just to uh, take us all out of this world right after Easter Sunday, uh, mm-hmm. He has more people that he wants to hear the gospel and, and wants to bring around his throne in heaven. And so, and while this is going on, Satan's still there. He's still working. He's trying to undermine uh, Christians and the Christian church. Yeah, absolutely. And the authority of God's word. Thank you, Sandra. Appreciate so much your being with us. Ivan, thank you for joining us from Wisconsin. Your question, please. Hi. My question is, will... After he's after Satan's bound up for a thousand years and he's released, will he be stronger and will we still have demons or will it just be him being released? I'm not sure I can answer that uh, because that little while uh, that he is going to be set free and it's even going to be cut short, Jesus says, for the for the sake of the Christians, because it 
would be getting, you know, getting really bad and as though there aren't any Christians left in this, in this world. Uh, so what that's going to look like, uh, I don't know. Uh, but the victory is still ours. And Jesus says that's coming. And uh, we just need to be aware of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you, Ivan, so much. Appreciate your being a part of the conversation. Doug, I welcome you. Thanks for your patience. Your question, please. Did you say Doug? I did. Thank you. <laughs> oh, okay. I love you guys because of your devotion to Jesus. And uh, I'd like to ask Doc, does God get angry with us when we make fun of Satan? Hmm. You know, I I don't know. Uh, I, I think the way I'd, the way I'd answer that is is that um, Satan is nothing to joke about, uh, and because he is real, uh, he is serious, he is evil. And he wants to separate you from your from your God, so I don't, I, you know, I don't know the the mind of God on how to answer that that question, but I think joking about it um, gets us to a point of where we're not respecting uh, how evil Satan is. Yeah, taking him very, very seriously. But on that same note, Bruce, and I think your answer is excellent, I would just add one more sentence to it. But that means by no stretch of the imagination am I required to give him respect. Understanding the powers that he has, I think, from my vantage point anyway, is markedly different than saying that I have respect for him. Am I right? Yeah, the res- yeah, the res- did I say respect? No, no, I did. I'm saying, oh, okay. in other words, okay. some might say that making fun of him is I'm not respecting him. I mean, that might be the working definition of making fun of, not respecting. Okay. I don't feel that I'm required to respect him under any circumstances. No, the only thing we respect is what he is capable of doing and uh, how serious he is about his work. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you for that. Excellent questions, friends. 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. Judy in Wisconsin, your question, please. Oh, I I got a question. Uh, I know that in the third chapter of Genesis, uh, Satan came in the form of a, of a serpent and a snake. I was wondering if he really is a snake. Hmm. Bruce. Well, when you get to uh, the book of Revelation, and uh, tread lightly here because there is so much symbolism uh, in the book of Revelation, but there he is pictured as a what we would call a serpent dragon, um, and he is uh, he is seeking to destroy the church of, church of Christ, and. So, yeah, he is uh, pictured that way in both Genesis, the first book of the Bible, and the last book of the Bible as a snake, a serpent, uh, and even a dragon. Mm, Interesting. Thank you for that, Judy. I appreciate it. The hour has gone far, far, far too quickly, Bruce. I have a lot of people online who still have an awful lot of questions. Let me end by going to the way in which you ended your booklet, Give Satan the Credit That He Is Due, and you point us to the tool chest. You go right to Ephesians, and you remind us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. You know, for people who can't see the battle in front of them, they might think it's unwinnable because it's untenable. I can't see it. It's bigger than me. God has told me I have to use all of this equipment in order to be victorious. Can you just put skin on that verse for us so that we can understand that those tools were given for a reason, but that Satan has already been defeated? 
yeah, the the tools are Satan's just going to keep uh, keep working attacking attacking us. There are both offensive tools in Ephesians six and defensive tools, and uh, we are to be on the offense against him uh, as well as on the defense. Uh, trusting that uh, Jesus is not going to let him uh, have have us the way he wants us. Yeah. Wow. What a note to end on. And I love, love, love the way you end by putting the words from A Mighty Fortress is Our God, Luther's Hymn from 1529. It's marvelous. It's short. It's to the point. It's user-friendly. It's loaded with scripture. And what I'm hoping that God will do with this booklet, Bruce, is that it'll wake us up to the reality that Satan is a real entity, a real adversary, a real tempter, a real accuser, a real liar. All of that is true. But the best part of the story is that he has been defeated. That greater is he that is in us than he, the accuser, the liar, the prince of this world, than he that is in the world. Blessings to your friends. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you again to In the Market with Janet Parshall and Moody Radio for letting us uh, use this episode on Bible Threads. I hope you were able to come away from the interview with a greater confidence in how to defeat Satan's temptations and trickery. This interview with Janet Parshall sets the stage for what's next on Bible Threads. With our next episode, we'll be starting a brand new series entitled Intersections. The series will focus on where the supernatural spirit world intersects with the world of the Bible. We'll uncover two major threads, beginning in Genesis and weaving all the way to the book of Revelation. Please join me. And thanks for listening, and God bless.